Welcome to episode 316 of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. This is going to be an installment of the NCR Movie Club, something I've wanted to get going for a long time, talking about movies that are about tennis. And the movie we're talking about on this installment of the NCR Movie Club is one of the big movies that's coming out this fall in the world, not just in the tennis space, but in the whole Oscar race movie, buzzy, you know, Oscar season kind of movies, King Richard, the story, the biopic about Richard Williams, who is the patriarch of the Williams family, the father of Venus and Serena Williams, origin story for their professional tennis careers. And I'm very delighted to be joined for this topic by David Avakian, NCR's Dutch Lowlands and Caucasian Highlands correspondent, who's also a major cinephile in his own right. David, thank you for being on here. Thank you for having me. Once again, finally, we can talk about movies. I know. We're going to hopefully do a lot more of this. You'll be a regular part of what I'm hoping will be a robust and rich NCR Movie Club uh, experience going forward. So we're talking about King Richard, which comes out on November 19th in theaters and on HBO Max streaming in the U.S., probably other streaming services, I'm hoping, in other countries. King Richard is directed by Reynaldo Marcus Green, written by Zach Balin for the screenplay, and stars Will Smith as Richard Williams, Ingenue Ellis as Orsine Williams, John Bernthal as Rick Macy, Sanaya Sidney as Venus Williams, and Demi Singleton as Serena Williams are the main principal cast. Uh, this movie was notably made with the collaboration of the Williams family, with Venus Williams, Serena Williams, and their older sister, Isha Price, all serving as executive producers for the movie. This is a movie that is pretty faithfully based on a true story of what the Williams family was doing during the time frame of roughly 1991 to 1994, during the time in which they moved from their base in Compton, California, to Florida to start really intensify, I think, their, tra their training at the Rick Macy Academy. Uh, David and I have both attended advanced screenings of King Richard, so we know what happens in this movie, and we're going to discuss sort of the whole arc of the movie, including the ending. I don't think this is really a movie that can be spoiled, quote-unquote, per se. If you know the history of the Williams family, this chapter of their history, at least, you probably know most of the plot details that will happen in this movie. But if you want to stay unspoiled, clean for the movie, you can wait until after you've watched the movie to, to listen to this episode, and I think we both would recommend the movie people to watch. Certainly, if you're interested in tennis enough to listen to NCR, then I think you're very much in the target demo. I think a lot of also non-tennis fans will really appreciate this. So we're not going to do too much in terms of like, spoiler alert. There is one dramatic sequence in the movie, uh, which I don't believe is as factual or certainly not as like part of the lore. Anyway, we'll, we'll put spoiler alerts before that section and you can probably skip ahead like a minute or so in the episode if you want to skip that moment. And we get to that if you want to avoid learning about that cinematic sequence. But big picture, David, first, before we get into the specifics like that, you saw this movie. What did you think of King Richard as a movie? It was good. It was very good, I thought. Yeah. Um, as a tennis fan, as a movie fan, I think all the boxes uh, were hit properly. And I think when, when you just saw it, which was before me, you immediately tweeted out something like, you're going to like it to the world. Yeah. And I agree fully because it's it's just a very good movie. It's nice and long. It has great performances. It looks great. Yeah. An early shout out by me to uh, Robert Elswith, the cinematographer, uh, okay. my like one of my favorites, the man who shot my favorite movie of all time, There Will Be Blood. Also did this movie, so just an extra kind of uh, a great piece of information about this movie for uh, yeah. for movie lovers. Great performances, as I said. Will Smith obviously at the center of it. The girls playing Venus and Serena did an unbelievable job. I thought. Um, especially the girl who plays Venus, and and I mean we can say that now it's it's more about Venus than is it than it is about Serena, um, mm -hmm. the movie. There's so much tennis in it, 
which is also great for us, um, much more than I expected to be fair. It's very technical. Like there's a lot of training footage and like open stance and wrist action and snap the wrist and that kind of thing. Like all that stuff is in there, which again, surprised me, but I was happy to see for sure. So that was wonderful. And there was much in it, like so many episodes from in, from about three year that the movie is about. Yeah. I mean, what did you think? I really enjoyed it too. Like you said, I, I walked out of the theater and, and made a tweet saying like, you're going to like this. And I fully believe that almost everybody who watches this movie, if not everybody will like it as a movie. Like it's just a good movie. It's, it's a really pleasing cinematic experience. It's a, it's a, a crowd pleasing kind of movie. It's, it's a positive movie all in all. It's a success story. It's a true story. It's a, a feel good movie, big picture for sure. And, and it has great performances and it's a very well shot cinematic movie. Like you said, like it's a good looking really? movie. It's a well acted movie. It's a well written movie. It's punchy. It's got like from a pure movie perspective, like really, really high marks. And I go in this knowing that I'm one of the toughest possible audiences for this movie being just on a factual level, being someone who is a tennis reporter, who is, you know, a student of tennis history, especially this kind of era of tennis history. I mean, I grew up as a huge William sisters fan when they were first coming on tour that's sort of my tennis origin story I've told people before. But, like, the moment I first got really into tennis was watching Venus Williams make her run at the 97 U.S. Open to the final. That was, like, the first tennis story that captured me and, you know, read all the literature and stuff about that. So I know a lot about this part of, even this is before they were in the spotlight, really. I've read a lot. I've read Serena's book about this time, which definitely covers this chapter on the line. I've read Rick Macy's book. I've read Richard Williams's book, you know, and all the contemporaneous coverage. So I definitely have factual quibbles with parts of this movie. And we'll get into those in terms of we'll do a section on what the movie gets right, what it gets wrong, what it leaves out that could be important. We'll get to that. But I think from a pure cinematic, like, what do you think of this movie? Very fresh tomato here. Like, I think that it's like a really, really solid movie and will deserve the praise it gets. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And and also the casting. Yeah. Right. That's also a big part of movies, um, not just in terms of uh, of looks, but but also that because Orsine, uh, the actress who plays her, uh, Angie Ellis is her name. I mean, unreal. Uh, yeah, performance. she was really good. I thought she was really good, and 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 the mannerisms, both Serena and Venus, the actresses, the young ones, and her, it, it was all spot on. I have to say, so that impressed yeah. me uh, a lot. And and also the girl who plays Venus is like I I check what what she's up to, and she has some big things coming up for her. She's going to be in this Showtime TV show about that was called First Lady, and she's going to be alongside uh, Viola Davis and alongside. Michelle Pfeiffer and and Gillian Anderson. This will please Courtney, by the way, that Gillian Anderson is, <laughs> uh, has something coming up. So yeah, I mean, very good performance and, and and real pros all around. Absolutely, and I think especially Demi Singleton, who plays Serena, looks a lot like young Serena. Yeah, like facially, just looks a lot like her. I don't know that Sanaya Sydney looks especially exactly like young right. Venus, but the mannerisms are are really really key there, and a lot of things she does physically, I think, really mimic that well. I, I mean, the tennis that she plays. That's that's maybe the most insane thing in it. Like she doesn't just play good tennis in the movie; she plays like Venus, and we all know how specific her her technique is. It's so good, all while being left-handed. Right, Sinaya yeah, Sydney as, as a person is left-handed and playing a right-handed tennis yeah. player. Venus, it's pretty yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. So let's talk about actually the tennis in this movie. You mentioned it earlier. This is a tennis podcast. We'll get more technical on the tennis than most. And you mentioned sort of the open stance, which is a signature William sister technique. Yeah. And that Richard was, they were right that Richard was very much was pushing that during the daughter's training and development. 
what did you think of this as a technical tennis movie? And if you want, you can compare it to other tennis movies we've seen in this category. But what do you make of just the tennis you saw on screen? And this is where we talk about it, because I think it's also a rare sports movie that's really focused more on the early stage development of these athletes rather than really being about, you know, the big, big prize competitions. You know, there's no yeah. grand slams in this movie. No, it's mostly training. Yeah. Just on court with coaches and, and that kind of thing. And I think it's it's one of the best, if not the best movie, um, like tennis wise, just the way it looks, the technique, the way they, they shot it, the way they got it right. Like oftentimes, I mean, we can mention, what is it, Wimbledon and, and, and those kinds of movies. It, it yeah. just, it takes you out of the movie, especially if you know tennis, if you're in tennis like, like the both of us. Um, yeah, it, it looks terrible. Whereas here, it, I mean, again, the best I've, I've probably seen. And also, again, hats off to uh, to the to the level of uh, attention to detail with with the technique of the Williams sisters uh, specifically. Yeah. The main topic of this movie in film critic circles and sort of Oscar buzz circles is less about the movie and more specifically about Will Smith and his performance as Richard Williams. Will Smith is famously one of those great actors, famous actors without an Oscar to his name so far. Yeah. And there's a lot of buzz about if he can win and if he's a favorite for the best actor category and along with another shout out to Courtney to Kristen Stewart and the women's side is getting that early buzz <laughs> in November uh, but what did you think of of Will Smith's performance specifically and then if you want to talk about other we talked a bit about some of the, the women in the movie or young women also uh, in the movie but what do you think about Will Smith and how he he does this I don't think he physically looks very much like Richard Williams facially but uh, I thought I thought he did a great job of capturing his physicality and and his manner and all of that I thought he was oh I, I totally understand the the buzz Totally agree. Like he gained weight for for the role, and and he got the accent down, which is a very specific Louisiana accent. Uh, I understand. Look, I'm I'm not an American, so I you might be able to judge that much better than I do. But it was very much. I mean, I don't want to go uh, method acting, but, but I mean, it was in a way like he was he was fully uh, Richard Williams. Very very believable, and the Oscar buzz that you mentioned is it's totally right. Like all the predictions the very early predictions that i see he's he's always in the top three and then oftentimes he's he's topping those lists at the moment so it's <laughs> it's very possible that um richard williams um will be an oscar winning uh, performance for uh, for will smith after doing muhammad ali before and 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 some other uh, great work as well so that would be very exciting for us uh, in the tennis world as well i think so here's the one part where i want to get into the sort of spoilery section so if you want to skip ahead you know a minute or so here go for it this movie starts off in compton and there is a sequence of uh sort of the most dramatic sequence in the movie sort of the most heart-pounding sort of sequence in the movie i think is about the violence in compton and how this dramatized in a scene where richard williams who works as a security guard um takes a gun and looks like he's about to you know he kind of goes off on his own leaves the family gets his gun and looks like he's about to shoot a a, a man or gang member who'd been harassing you know, Yatunde, who's Venus and Serena's eldest sister. That sequence is sort of, I think, their way more than I think. I I've, I don't remember any record of anything I've read of that actually happening. And it happens, spoiler again, in a dramatic moment where, like, as Richard's about to go confront the guy with the gun, somebody else re- kind of semi-randomly at that moment shoots this person. It's instead. like a drive-by. That they the drive-by shooting happens, right? And yeah. I think it's really a way to sort of to show the violence of gang violence in Compton around them more viscerally than it is actually anything really factual that necessarily happened to Richard Williams in this moment. Yeah. What did you make of that? And then also let's start with that, that, and then I want to transition into your trip to Compton yourself. But what did you make of that moment first? I mean, I think I reacted to it the same way you did. Like that was, 
probably the moment in the movie that I was like, did this really happen? Like, I started doubting myself. Like, did I miss this? Uh, was there any report of this? And, and I, too, had not heard of this uh, before. But then it, probably, I mean, it's a movie after all. So yeah. they they probably chose uh, this very dramatic way of, of showing the, the, the gang violence that we do know that, that has been there in Compton and still is. Yeah, I was not shocked, but, but that surprised me a bit because... Um, for the rest, it seems pretty pretty accurate, and, and many things that happen in the movie are actually things that we know happened. Yeah, yeah that, that might be the one thing that, that was different. And then let's get to your trip to Compton, actually, because you went to see, you were in Indian Wells, covering Indian Wells uh, with Courtney. You two went to Compton. What what made you want to go there? It was your idea to go to Compton. What were you looking yeah. for there, and what did what did you find? Well, look, I we were in Los Angeles, and 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 I know Compton's right there, uh, and I know that Venus and Serena started there, and and, and I like to 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 visit uh, places and and landmarks uh, that are connected to things that I like. Most of the time, that's uh, that's movies in Los Angeles, but the tennis as well. I mean, this was almost a no brainer for me to to go visit because. I mean, it's 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 on the way to, to many places that we go anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I looked for it. I found it on the Internet. Atlantic Avenue, East Compton. Um, we went there. It's currently called the East Rancho Dominguez Park, um, what it is. And what do you call it? Like the, the, the plan of what we saw in the movie of those courts is very mm-hmm. much like um, like it is now still. I mean, some buildings have been added. It's kind of a... It's a five-acre uh, five recreational programs, community events kind of park with, with, with all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like when you come there, there's, there's statues or there's Venus and Serena written everywhere. Quite the contrary, actually. Um, the two courts that we see in the movie as well were actually closed off. They had to be opened. Like, I, I jumped out of the car, and, and like I do everywhere, I start making photographs and pictures of, of, of everything I see. Before we got stopped by this very nice lady and, and, and a very kind security guard who were asking us, like, like what the hell are you doing? Why are you making these pictures here? And, like, I'm, I'm a tourist, so I just make, make pictures, maybe maybe not judging the situation the, the right way. Because she told you people would think you were FBI if you're around taking. Yeah. Afterwards, she said, area. "I mean, people people there can 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 think anything. Like they they might think that you're FBI, indeed. Um, so so better having, not next time." Having <laughs> driven you, <laughs> with you taking photos constantly out of the car, I mean, you are the friend of mine who is most likely to get me shot. I think it's a pretty fair <laughs> assumption. <laughs> As we one story where you were taking we were driving through I think West Virginia still at this point, and you were taking photos of all sorts of stuff along the way along Route 50, which is pretty small road winding through west virginia and there was one where you saw a tennis racket hanging off of the deck of a house uh, like for a nail to the side of this house in typical sort of west virginia home decoration aesthetic and you were like oh turn around take a picture of the tennis racket so i made a u-turn turn turn around drove slowly past the house and i did see a tennis racket but i also saw a man with a gun standing on the porch (laughs) and sped off so anyway your your curiosity and your and your camera toting I mean, yeah. it did bring us to to the courts eventually. The the lady opened the courts. We went on there, uh, and it had a nice little sign that said um, the home of the Serena and Venus tennis courts. So okay. that was there at least with with their portraits. Um, and on the website that I mentioned, it 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 kind of like if you look hard, you can see a section that says this park is most known for being the location where tennis greats Venus and Serena Williams learned to play tennis. Yeah. So that is also there. But yeah, no one was using it, and it didn't look like like many people were playing tennis there at all yeah. currently. 
And she was telling you there's still the woman you talked to was still saying there's still yeah. a great deal of danger there. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look like it at all to me. It looked like a very peaceful and nice uh, neighborhood, to be fair. Um, but but she actually said that like being born and, and raised in, in in that area, she said it's it's worse than ever. That's actually what she said. It's it's different in in that way that before you would you would kind of know what the the dangers are, like what can happen. Whereas now it's much more disorganized, I guess. Like people get get shot for the silliest reasons. Um, so in in that sense, it's uh, it's still or possibly yeah. more dangerous now. Yeah, you were there during the daytime, I guess, which is a safer time, obviously. Yeah. To be yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of tennis courts and settings, there was a, a Zoom press conference held on Sunday for this movie, which had all the basically everybody involved in this movie, including the Williams sisters, Will Smith, writers, producers, actors, everybody, all hands on deck. They called it a press conference. It wasn't really a press conference. They didn't take questions. It was sort of annoying, like to be have to be in a certain place at a certain time for this essentially pre-recorded thing. It might have been actually live, but there was no interaction. So why it needed to be at a certain time? Anyway, uh, one of the things the producer said, uh, one of the producers said, which I thought was interesting, is that there are a thousand ways to tell the Richard Williams story, which is a way of saying, as any writer knows, and you certainly know this, and I know that, especially when you do like a big sort of sweeping project about something like this, you get to make so many choices when telling a story like this. And this movie makes a lot of choices. And I think one of the biggest choices these filmmakers made was to have the direct input and cooperation and a little bit control, I think, of to the family. Have the family really have a hand in the making of this movie. And Isha Price, who is the elder sister of Venus and Serena, she's uh not she's Richard's stepdaughter, not his biological daughter. She she gave which I'm not sure everyone knows, but Richard basically is only the biological father in that family to Venus and Serena, uh, the other three sisters were or scenes from a previous uh, relationship saying that what she wanted what she was important to her in the story actually i'm gonna we're gonna put a clip here from isha talking and i think it's interesting to hear from isha too because isha is someone who's seen a lot you know on the sidelines and matches obviously uh, not so much heard but she was the, the the williams family's representative on the ground on set during filming and really the williams family consultant while venus and serena are still off doing their their playing careers so here is a clip of of Isha talking, and I think some of the interesting phrases I'll highlight in, in advance of you listening to this are that she said she was important for her to the story not to feature vilification, and that she wanted to be a real hero story of my dad. So here is Isha Price talking about her input and the Williams family input into King Richard. It was it was it was definitely a journey. It was persistence of of definitely Tim and Trevor, and wanting to tell the story of my dad, and not have it be one of vilification, but one of just getting people to understand, you know, who he was as a father and like what he wanted to do and how the family came together to be able to do that. And when it was understood that that was what was, what, what we wanted to happen, um, it became a lot, it became a lot easier to get behind it. And so then was the process of actually going to my family, you know, <laughs> after, uh, <laughs> of reading the script. I was like, you know, this is, there's this opportunity, there's a script, it's a little raw. Um, there's some things that we can definitely finesse and, and get right. Um, but this person is behind it and, and we have a lot of respect for Will. And um, he wants to get it right, won't do it unless, you know, we're really bought into the idea of what this could be and, and, and doing it right and being authentically ourselves. And that took some time, <laughs> um, you know, because 
that vilification aspect is still out there. And we and, and being able to trust that this group of people, this filmmaker and, and this, this production team and everyone would do this the right way. When oftentimes in sport, obviously you get one chance at it. Mm-hmm. You get one, one time to step up to the line and serve that ball for that point. So to, to want to make sure it was right and, and the story was told right and it was fair and it was honest. And it, it really displayed the integrity that we've always tried to have as a family. It, it took some time mm-hmm. to get there. Uh, with my family, because there was a little bit of distrust, as you can imagine, yeah. you know, um, being in the public eye for as long as they have. Venus, I think the first article was like when she was 10, eight, eight or nine, eight, maybe nine years old yeah. in the Compton Gazette. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like to, to be written about since that age, you know, and, and not maybe have people understand what that family dynamic was like. Oftentimes, Lindra and I, have people asking us, are they really, are you guys really close? Do they fight, you know, off the court? You know, so years and years of that, you build up a little bit of distrust. So um, we got there because I did trust that as long as there was going to be a footprint there every day, and I might have gotten on a couple people's nerves (laughs) on set, but it was important for me because I had a responsibility to my family mm. to make sure that the story was told right. And to have willing participants in that journey mm-hmm. with this entire cast and the entire production team and everybody wanting to do it right is why I think the product ends up being what it is and the story ends up being what it is. It wasn't a singular thing. Everyone had a hand in wanting to get the story right and tell this real hero story of my dad and what he was able to do, but also understand the foundation that my mom actually was able to lay and make sure that the heart of the family was there. And that part is the part that uh, we wanted to make sure was right. And I think, and I hope, Anjanu, there are no words <laughs> for, for how, how, how she got it, you know, how she really got the voice of my mom and, and, and made sure her presence was known and felt. So it was a journey and it wasn't always, you know, an easy direct one. Yeah. Um, but I think that sometimes the best things come from a lot of people working really hard and, and digging in to get it right. So David, I guess, how should we see the family's involvement shaping this movie as, you know, as a journalist myself, I don't give subjects of, stories a hand and how the story comes out be obviously interviews and they get lots of you know people have lots of ways to shape their own narrative and everything but giving editorial control is something different it puts this movie in sort of an interesting sort of space and this is more and more common with with movies and film projects these days that people who are being documentaries being, yeah doc and even yeah. documentaries you're right people want a hand of them like i think naomi osaka for her documentary is sort of credited as a producer of it and lots I'm sure, serena obviously with her most recent hbo series being serena it was made by IMG. I think she had a hand in it. Um, and it's something that is really important to subjects to, you know, maintain control over how they're covered. Obviously, as a journalist, you would worry about that sort of taking away from the possible harder truths of this movie and stuff. But so I guess how do, how do you, but at the same time, also, there's a lot of benefits to it for some of the authenticity things, like making sure the the dynamic of like what the house layout looked like, what the sort of dynamic was in, in the mm-hmm. home, things that you couldn't possibly know well unless you were, were there. 
So what do you think? Of, how, how does the Williams family's involvement in this movie? Because Venus and Serena are also doing promotional interviews for the movie. They are very much involved in mm -hmm. there. I'm sure they have some financial stake in this movie, I'm guessing, as well. What what does that involvement do to your understanding of this as a, as a movie? Well, you look at it differently, for sure, when, when you know that. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess you, you look for the moments in the movie um, that you think might might be made to look better or differently um, than it might have been. Like, we, we don't know either. We just know that they were involved. We know f for Isha that she was on set most of the time, even, like, responding to little things, as I understood from the presser, like, like Venus wouldn't have held uh, the bag this way or Serena wouldn't have said this this way. Like, like those kind of things were... Very hands-on. Isha was very hands-on, yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to, the, to, to the extent that I understand, like, the director and everyone was, uh, was going crazy at, at some point. Like, she was so on everything. Um, like, and they also admitted to, to, to having some trust issues at the, at the very beginning, yeah. reading the first script, uh, and that they, they needed and demanded changes, um, before they could really, I, I guess, uh, attach their names to it. Um, so other than, um, looking at the movie, I don't want to say like with doubts, like if, is this accurate or not, but you're just aware of it. I mean, there's no way around it that they are involved. Yeah. One thing we're going to do, and I, but we haven't had time to do this yet, but I did, in doing some research for this, recording this episode, find an early version that was online of the screenplay for this movie, a 2018 version of the screenplay for from the screenwriter Zach Balin. I'm guessing largely before the Williams family had really started influencing it. In big, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think before sort of, obviously, they certainly before Isha's on-site, you know, sort of... Uh, requests were made and stuff so david and i are going to do a separate uh patreon episode later after having read this transcript in a few days uh talking about the differences and, and where we see those and how that comes in now let's get to sort of i think that's right i think this not having the movie be one of vilification is interesting which made it sound like that had been sort of the take from other previous approaches and certainly oh the williams family is the ultimate underdog story cinderella story you know obviously it's very attractive to that um and so i understand that there could have been some approaches to it that the family wouldn't have wouldn't have liked um, but yeah if it's and this goes to the whole sort of even like Naomi Osaka press conference debate this year right like how how important is it that the subjects are in control completely of, of their, how they're covered and is that unjournalistic and we'll get to sort of if the, if a movie should be journalistic or not a bit later but I want to sort of get into a breakdown of things the movie gets we think right and wrong and things that it leaves out from our understandings of the real story versus this on, product on screen and I think most of all, there's so much the movie gets right. I mean, I think having read, again, Serena's book, uh, which I think really does a good job of describing uh, the at-home dynamic, I think the sort of the, the vibe of the family, I think, really is reflected in how I've heard it talked about previously in terms of the joy, the closeness of the sisters, the sort of spirit they had, their relationship with their father, how close they all are, you know, that they there really was a lot of fun and love in that house, even as Compton and the violence and poverty and everything swirled outside the walls of that house you know seeing you know like the talent shows and, and everything and the sisters sharing all sharing one room and serena sharing a bed with you know there were only four beds in the room basically for five girls and serena floating around sharing a bed with different sister each night as the youngest i thought that part they they got all really right um i'm just gonna list some things basically david jump in whenever you want i think they did a really good job of just you know a lot of the sort of early details of the origin story were hit on richard having this like 70 something page manifesto that he wrote at some point to be a sort of blueprint for how to raise the daughters that is real the that he got inspired to uh 
raised $2 to play tennis when he was watching the French Open in 1978 and saw how much money Virginia Ruzic won for prize <laughs> yeah. money. He was like, wow, that's a lot. That's an easy way to make a lot of money or a good way to make a lot of money. Let's do that. And that being its inspiration, you know, having the driving around his VW bus, having the, the girls deliver phone books. Those are all parts of sort of the Compton thing. And then just bigger, like you said, Venus is a much bigger part of this movie than Serena as a player. And I think that really does I mean, represent, inevitably, it's... Yeah. That really does represent what it was like, you know, in the 90s for the Williamses, that Venus was first. She was older. She made the first tries on tour, made her sort of main tour debut in 94, well before Serena made her sort of main draw debut on the WTA tour. And one little thing they leave out, which we don't have to get to, is part of the reason that they both went on tour when they did was to avoid different parts of the age eligibility rule. That's part of why they went on so early. I and mean, those sorts of conversations are kind of left out a bit. Um, mm -hmm. That's pretty minor. Um, I think also this movie did a really good job of highlighting Oracine. Uh, I think Oracine's a huge yeah. fan of this movie. And people, you know, there's been a, a bunch of kind of lazy knee-jerk criticisms of the movie just from its title, like its premise. Like, oh, why are we making a movie about Richard when it's a movie about two successful, you know, women? Like, why is it focusing on him? Yeah. Or why isn't it, you know, Queen Oracine too getting her due? I think, first of all, the Williams family obviously is giving us their full blessing. And they under and people who are around tennis understand the importance of Richard to their story. I think the Body Serve Tennis Podcast addressed this all really well too. Like, you don't know tennis if this is your if this is your your knee jerk reaction to that. And I also to Oracine's part, I think she really gets her due not only as like oh, a steady sure. guiding yeah. presence in the family as a sort of you know, around Richard's a little bit more chaotic presence, but also as a coach, you know, she's on court with the girls as well. Yeah. And one thing that I've sort of read into that I think that I've heard people say, and it's always been one of my sort of Williams takes, let's say, is that part of the reason that Serena is the better player technically than Venus is that she spent a lot more time on court with Oracine. And that Oracine was a better I mean, technical coach than Richard was. And that's part of why Serena's, you know, technique is, is so much cleaner. I mean, and it's it's a little bit of a spoiler, I guess. Um, so if you really don't want to hear anything that happens in a movie, forward a bit. Um, but there is indeed a scene that Oracine is practicing with with Serena, and, and and especially the focus on the serving. If you if you remember, like Oracine is fixing Serena's toss, and then afterwards in the movie uh, she tells uh, Richard that he messed up her toss and that she improved yeah. it. So so there's. Uh, Completely agree. There, there's a lot of Oracine uh, credit uh, in the movie for sure. And then more just things that they mentioned that are right. I mean, like, again, a lot of the, the sort of early plots of, of the development are right. There's a scene where Serena secretly signed herself into a, a junior tournament without mm -hmm. her family's knowledge. That's true. That's a story that, that Serena has told many times. And there's a lot of real people who are in the tennis world and who, if like you're like, especially in this era, and actually a bunch more who were on, if you look at the IMDb like cast, a bunch of people who didn't make it into the final cut of the movie who were supposed to be in some version of the movie, like Ann Worcester, who was head of the WTA at this point. She has an actress playing her on IMDb. Robin Finn, who was the New York Times' tennis reporter in the stage of the 90s and who profiled Venus early on. She was in some version of the movie, not in the final version. But lots of people are there. You know, Bud Collins is there. Vic Braden is there. Obviously, Rick Macy is a real coach. And I, I've done a lot of research on Rick Macy for the, the book project I wrote about uh, Monique Feely, who was involved with Rick Macy also. And like even seeing things like the little logo for his academy is what it looked like in the early 90s. I thought that was really cool. Um, sort of globe logo that they had there. When I saw that, I was like, that's, that's impressive detail to get that logo right. And even mentioning like one of his players at the time, Tommy Ho, who was like an American junior yeah. standout in the late 80s. The, the Tommy Ho gets mentioned in the movie, I think it's very authentic to what the conversations actually were. And like Jennifer Capriotti's also there. 
And I think maybe they sort of, you know, staged it a bit so Jennifer and the Williamses would have more overlap in the movie than they really did in real life. And mm-hmm. But that's there. And I think, you know, and then some bigger picture things, too, like the sort of racial dynamic, I think, of the Williamses being seen as outsiders intruding into a largely white sport, especially at the junior level when they when Venus shows up and the family's just beating up on all these, you know, or she's just largely dominating these almost entirely white fields of opposition. That that rang very true to me to at least what the feeling of that was. Not, I'm not saying every opponent she ever had at juniors was Caucasian, but at least to me, I think they captured that outsider vibe well. They did, but now that I'm thinking of it, like most of the time in the movie, which isn't too often, I think, um, that kind of the racial issues are addressed. It's um, through something that Richard says, right? Like like something that he sees or notices or like when he's in conversation with, um, uh, with, with white characters in the movie. It's not like we see some kind of a direct uh, racist uh, thing said towards the, the, the sisters or... or Right? Well, no, I think I I'm, I'm, you're talking about more overt. You're, you're talking about more overt mentions. I'm talking about things that I guess you want to call them subtle, but things like when they show up to a tournament and everybody's white and dressed in fancy clothes. Those are striking, oh, sure. yeah. striking yeah. visuals. Those sorts of ways of yes. showing them, showing yeah. them there. And you know, there were black players in professional tennis, and some prominent ones in the early '90s too. Zena Garrison, Laurie McNeil were two very prominent, successful African American players. Um, who I don't think get mentioned in this movie, but definitely no. the vibe of sort of that. And obviously in the famous scene that, that Will Smith has mentioned in the interviews, Richard interrupting a, an interview where, where the white interviewer man is sort of pushing her a bit about where her confidence comes from and kind of challenging her and, and Richard swooping in and interrupting it. That scene is recreated in the movie very, very expectedly. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of details, other details that I think tennis fans will really appreciate, like Arantxa Sanchez Sicario, is in this movie as Venus's second pro opponent. And just like Arantxa, like the styling of Arantxa is so perfect. It just looks like, the actress doesn't look facially exactly like Arantxa, but she has a little ball holder tucked in, you know, plastic ball holder that she had in the back of her, her waist yeah. of her skirt. And that's there. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's cool. That you got like, then not only did you get the Williams details right, but you got the Sanchez Vicario details right too. I really, really appreciate that. There are some things though, for various reasons that I think the movie that, struck me as a movie getting kind of wrong or, or not quite getting done. And some of these are, are smaller, you know, cinematic choices, you know, things that are dramatized. Like there's a scene where the Williams just show up and interrupt a, a practice between Pete Sampras and John McEnroe, which didn't happen from all accounts really exactly like that, but it's a way of dramatizing it. And that's, that's fine. But there are a couple other like less cinematic choices. I feel like that were sort of, that threw me off. And again, this is part of me being, a very, you know, pretty rigorous, strict viewer of this movie from having a lot of knowledge of the actual story, more than 99.9% of viewers will. Some little things about, like, Rick Macy's Academy, like, it wasn't as big at all as it was pictured in the movie. It was pictured as being this, like, huge, sprawling complex with, like, dozens of courts and every star in the world basically there, when really it was, like, maybe six courts, maybe eight, I think less than ten courts there, and, and... it looked more like Bollichary. It looked than, like Bollichary, than... yeah. Yeah. It yeah. looked like a big factory rather than the sort yeah. of the sort of relatively small court it was. And also there were a couple times when Rick Macy in the movie came off as being like anti-publicity and like, oh, stop doing so many interviews. Ah. And it was like Rick loves all the attention <laughs> constantly, still does always <laughs> yeah. infamously pro-attention. There are a couple of things in the development that I thought were just sort of confusing for viewers where they, say, they talk about like, we're not going to play junior tennis, but Venus has already played all these t- tournaments in the movie. I thought that was just like a little bit like not clear to the viewers, like to clarify, we're not going to play ITF juniors. That's basically what it means. Like the highest level juniors. Yeah. The junior slams. Like I thought as someone, I was thinking as I was watching this, like, 
I wouldn't totally understand what exactly they were talking about. And it's true. And it's, it's, it's one of the things that definitely needs addressing that, you know, this was one of Richard's big ideas that really paid off for the Williams is not playing junior tennis. And it's very unique, really the only other player who has avoided the juniors, you know, who became a, a relevant player or even like almost even like a top 50 player is uh, Naomi Osaka, uh, who also didn't play any ITF junior events. The other ones, um, everyone does it. And I just thought that sort of from a tennis sort of tennis literacy, tennis clarity perspective, I thought that maybe could have been explained a little bit better. Well, well, I was actually um, surprised um, about how much of the junior tennis they did eventually show in the movie. Like the under-12 um, tournaments, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you just uh, leave aside the distinctions between ITF or under-12 or, or whatever, like, I think the uh, even the tennis follower who approximately knows the Williams story, um, as far as I know, will think that um, the, the sisters never played juniors at all. Yeah, like that's that's what with most people that I talk to and uh, about the the Williams sisters is they they always mention oh yeah they never played juniors um but Venus did uh, and and it, I believe she played like sixty to sixty five matches and she won all of them. I think it goes to the um, definition and, of what juniors is right. Like I think that's what right. the movie that's what we're both sort of talking about here. Like juniors in the way we talk about it is ITF juniors is you know. The okay. elite, I think, International. right? Inter like, well, things that are ITF sanctioned that show up on your ITF page still, you know, that are you playing against the other best players in the world? Venus was playing yeah. local 12 and under tournaments, pretty, I think, exclusively in California. Like, you yeah. know, she wasn't playing, uh, maybe she played some higher age groups. I'm not totally sure about that, but I think she was mostly playing right about in her age group and getting a lot of attention for that already. You know, I do think the movie did a good job a little bit. I'm not totally, but like, v Venus and Serena were very on the radar early. And I do think mm -hmm. it showed. There's a lot of, in the movie, there's a lot of, like, the people being skeptical of the Williamses. I think maybe mm -hmm. a little bit more. The people certainly were skeptical of their training methods and how could you be a great player without really having an, any coach but your father, uh, who has no playing experience himself. But but also, people, people, yeah, I mean, by, by, the, by the time, like, a Rick Macy was on the scene, people, like, bought the hype. People were, like, these people, 65-0 and even in 12 and unders or 14 unders, whatever it was for Venus. Like, yeah. people understand there's something real here. Yeah. I mean, every meeting that Richard Williams has with uh, with one of the the many coaches in the movie, there is always a part of the conversation conversation that's about wait, they're not going to play juniors, or you're not going to let them play juniors. Yeah. Like that that is such a thing that repeats itself in the movie. It's pretty yeah, pretty pretty well done. Yeah. And then one thing, this was I think nitpickier or smaller because it's not really relevant to the plot at all. But this was the main sort of like when I was watching that took me out of it for a second. I was like, wait, what is when. Venus decides to make her pro debut in Oakland at WTA event in Oakland. I think it was a tier two event in Oakland back in the day. So like a 500 level tournament back uh, at that point. As we mentioned, it was largely the timing was related to age eligibility rules, I believe, which is not mentioned. That's okay. That's kind of technical. Like that's not important. Just stylistically, because so much of the movie looks so right. And like I mentioned, down to Arantxa's ball holder, the Oakland tournament as a setting looks almost nothing like the Oakland tournament actually looked like in real life. This was an indoor tournament and in Oakland and in the movie it's like an outdoor tournament with like palm trees around it looks like Indian Wells and mm -hmm. I just for all the details that got right I know this is minor in the great scope of as a cinematic feature I don't think it makes any difference cinematically to the movie whether this match is played indoors or outdoors but like being so familiar with the footage of that match with this part of the story the visual of of this tournament being so completely different I, I was baffled by that and sort of annoyed by that. And even like, especially the first round, Venus's first round 
in the movie, she's playing against Sean Stafford, who is a pretty unheralded American player. It's on this like tiny outer court that really looks like one of the very small, it's like a practice court in New Wells, honestly. And, you know, there's like not, you know, not, it's not many people around, maybe like less than 100 people in the stands. When actually, you know, in real life, there were like 300 reporters at least already there in in Oakland. Yeah. And it was already being clips on Sports Center, and it was indoors. And I, I was wondering if that was, you know, if it had been a real press conference and I had, or I had more time with the writers and directors and hope, and I have a question to talk to these people who are the filmmakers, hopefully maybe one of them will come through at some point. I was wondering if it was COVID related, like if they had to move right, yeah. the filming outdoors because of COVID. Um, but otherwise that was the one like factual thing that like tripped me up most. I mean, that's plausible. The COVID thing. Yeah. Like if, if, if they, uh, they couldn't film indoors, and then they maybe they wanted to 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 make it indoors afterwards with with some CGI, just get a roof over it or something. And but that then didn't look good. So th- there's there's so much that um, that goes into this stuff. And indeed, if we had the chance to uh, to ask, that would definitely be it, a question. It really for us. it really only tripped me up so much because everything else was so clean in terms of yeah. facts in the movie too. There like, must have been a good so reason. So many there's, details, there's, like I said, like down yeah, to the ball holder yeah. on a Rochester's outfit, down to the logo of Rick Macy's Academy. So many things were, were exactly right that have this, like this, the setting of her big debut, which is where the, the movie kind of ends. The movie ends with this tournament and with the Arancha Sanchez Vicario lost and her still being, you know, going on to big things and sort of has a success montage at the end for it to end on that. I was just sort of, I was confused. That did, I will say for a bit, like take me out of it in a way that I know 99.9% of viewers this movie will not yeah. notice or care. But for me, as yeah. the, you know, weird 0.1% of tennis viewers <laughs> for this, I was confused by that. Yeah. To all the listeners, you you will be fine. Trust well, me. This is just been, I'm sure we have some yeah. I'm sure we have some Super yeah. Williams fans in our audience for 100% sure who will know that Oakland was an indoor tournament, who will have seen those clips, who will sort of think something's off there. Um but like Venus's outfit in that tournament is completely right. Like the sort of pink shirt she had like mm-hmm. a lot of details are, are right. The beads are a different color. The beads that show up in kind of a dramatic cinematic moment where they're putting on her beads, uh-huh. almost like armor before yeah. her, her battle. I thought that was, that was <laughs> yeah. a cool thing they did there. Yeah. And then there are some things the movie just sort of leaves out and omits. And these goes things that didn't get right or wrong. But the main one, you know, there's some things that are smaller, like these, and these do come chronologically later. Like they didn't even get hinted at though. That I thought was kind of interesting. Like later on, as the Williams start winning Grand Slams, there's a lot of debate that starts with people like Rick Macy um, and some maybe early coaches, but mostly Rick Macy, talking about who deserves credit for the Williams' success. Like how much, because when the story was told, when the Williams were on court during matches, it was largely framed as being Richard's sole creation. You know, that Richard was the visionary, he did all the work with them, when actually they spent tons of hours on court at this point during really formative years with a lot of pro coaches, with Paul Cohen in LA and with Rick Macy at his academy in Florida. And those are names that casual tennis fans won't know because they're not really mentioned that much in the Williams story. And it's just people talk about just Richard and also Orsine uh, to a lesser degree as well. And so I think that sort of debate that comes later about who deserves credit for making them as good as they were, as they became, uh, I think the movie kind of glosses over the sense that that Rick Macy really, or people like him, had a big impact on making the girls much better. I Obviously, they talk about the importance of getting a real coach, but I, I don't know. I think that still, it's Richard's yeah. movie. I th- I think from the from the very beginning of the movie they they do show Richard looking for for other courts to play with for for better equipment and for coaches as well yeah. and and they show all these uh, things that he tries he talks to several coaches to to Vic Braden uh, first of all 
um, who who says like who's very respectful but says no, uh, eventually. Um, and there is also uh, Orsine who who keeps pushing um, Richard in the movie to to find a coach to find something new. So um, the pursuit has always been there, it seems, um, in real life and and also in the movie. But maybe the the amount of um, how do you call it uh, knows that they received, I guess, um, has kind of fueled the. Like, look, if, if no one's helping then and Richard did it, then he deserves all the credit. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what has, has, has led its own life. It's just something that, you know, in Rick Macy's book, which I've read, which, again, most people have not read this book because so they want to have this quibble. Like, he talks about feeling a bit overlooked in the big story. I think he will love that he's in this movie. He'll be, I'm sure he loves this deeply, deeply that he's in Great this movie. Performance. Great really performance. And John Bernthal is really good. John Bernthal. Well. Yeah, he's yeah. A good, I recognize him from his in Ford versus Ferrari, a few other things. He's a good actor. Rick Mace will be very happy with this movie. It's just to be a, a really key part of the movie, of the cast. He's like, I guess, you know, probably like third build, I think, behind behind uh, Will Smith and uh, yeah. Anjanou Ellis in this movie. One of the other big things they leave out in this movie, and this we'll talk a little bit at the end about like what a sequel might be like, and maybe this is more sequel material. But I think it's a huge Williamstown dynamic they leave out of this movie completely is the notion that Serena and Venus, while they're training for this dream, will have to play against each other, will be pitted against each other in this head-to-head nature of tennis. And there's one scene, especially, that really gets me for this point where it's in the aftermath of a tournament that both Venus and Serena entered, and they're sitting there in the movie with their trophies with Venus with her gold first place trophy, Serena with her silver second place trophy and Serena's being sad that she lost in Venus. And this is a a true story that Venus that Serena has told in her book um, says that Venus offers to switch trophies with her and says something like, Oh, I always like silver more than gold. Silver's prettier. Or like, I always like silver. Like let's trade. And they trade. And so Serena gets a first place trophy. Venus gets a second place trophy. But the reason in real life, and logically, if you are thinking about it, that Serena winds up with a second place trophy and Venus gets first, is that Venus just beat Serena in the final. And they don't show this mm-hmm. match. And this is one of the, something when we go look at the screenplay that I'm very curious, was there a match between Venus and Serena there? Yeah. And that that to me feels like something that might have been a family reaction. They don't want to focus on them pitting against each other. But as we know, you know, this is a huge part of the Williams sister story is that only one of them can win each tournament when they both enter. Put 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 against each other. I just felt like that was, and even like training against each other more. Like I just felt like that was something that the movie really kind of. That was one thing that I thought about, didn't realize until afterwards, and I was like, oh, that's weird. There was no yeah, Venus I didn't realize Serena that... in the movie. It doesn't. You don't notice it until when you're watching, but afterwards, I was like, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. No, agree. Like I didn't notice it until you 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 told me it. Yeah. But I guess, like, I mean, you you dropped the word sequel, which I think this is it's the way it ends. It's it's perfect. There's so much more to the story, and and they have so much. Uh, let's talk, so let's, much let's talk about that head. now. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's go yeah. ahead the sequel talk. Like, I do think the so the movie ends basically with Venus losing this match to Sanchez Vicario, second round of Oakland, which is true, um, and also Richard like talking to Serena, being like, "You're gonna be even better, kiddo." You know, and like keep your head held high, like you're gonna have your moment, and then it shows a montage of all the Williams success, and they're very happy. Like I do think this movie sets up the Williams story, sets up really well as like a series. It's not the kind of obvious movie that you would think of as being a sequel kind of thing, but it works. I mean, because like the Williams, you know, when they're the two best players in the world fighting every Grand Slam, that's absolutely movie worthy. I mean, like it's obviously a different kind of you know bigger yeah. picture movie and kind of sequeling that way if it's like bigger scale bigger stages bigger you know bigger production and not just filming on practice courts places mm-hmm. i think absolutely be a great type of movie at that sort of like peak williams time you know like between let's say like 
between like 99 or even 97 Venus makes her first run to the US Open final and then like and then but then Serena went to slam first and all of that dynamic and then they they come up later and you know and they're dominating they have their ups and downs and their sister Yutundi uh, gets killed uh, in Compton yeah. Gang Violence which is also not mentioned in the movie it's briefly alluded to there's one moment where they sort of say like oh Yutundi's not moving to Florida she's going to stay here which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. for a nod to like her future um, but yeah, in yeah. general, I think the other sisters get get quite some some screen time and, and things to say and mm-hmm. like in this whole family dynamic and all the scenes uh, connected to that. I don't know if they get personality. Like sisters... per they get screen time. Like I don't think you get to know like Lynn versus Isha versus Yatunde as characters really. I disagree. Yatunde, I yes. disagree. Yatunde, yes, because she's like the quieter one who's reading and who's having boys harassing her. No, but there's also this this one scene where um I I, I forgot which one of the the sisters it exactly. is who like keeps pushing pushing and and saying something i don't remember what exactly that that richard like wants her to stop doing it's about bragging or something yeah. they're, they're bragging about something and he he wants him to stop doing it and then he punishes them for it yeah. so but that was all led by one of the other sisters fair, fair. so uh yeah yeah i'm just saying like in terms of getting to know lynn versus isha i'm not sure at least to me those characters didn't seem super distinct from each other in this movie maybe i'm wrong but i don't remember them having seen this movie a couple weeks ago now i don't remember specifically like what one did versus the other so well so that's part of it but then i think the uh, the biggest part i think the movie leaves out and i want to spend a bit of time on this is sort of what isha basically said she didn't want in this movie which she used the word vilification but i think it's just fair to say like darker interpretations of richard's character or persona or his past or anything like that and one of these sort of seminal forms of my understanding of richard williams as a person was was a lot of the reporting that exists back then this is obviously he was coming on on to tour and being known as a huge presence on tour. Um, I don't think people who, you know, weren't following tennis at this time can really realize what a huge part of the Williams arrival Richard was and Richard's personality and his boisterousness and his sort of attention grabbing that he did was, and he was a very enigmatic, interesting person full of contradictions. And so I want to read a couple, I think we talked about this actually when we did the NCR book club uh, in 2020 about Venus Envy, the book about the 2000 season in women's tennis that centers around Venus uh, winning two Grand Slams and has a, a chapter about basically the family that has a lot of Richard's background and biography on it. So I want to read some pretty long sections from this book to give you guys a sense of a lot of information that is in here that I think you don't get in King Richard for his personality. So let me do that now. So reading for from Venus Envy, uh, this is a chapter that takes place at India Wells in 2000. By, by John Wertheim. It's a crystalline March day at the complex, and Richard Williams is blowing smoke in all directions. He has come to this paradise in the middle of the California desert, with his youngest daughter, Serena, hopes to defend her title in the high stakes tournament. Sucking on his trademark cigarillo and turning his head to puff cumulus clouds of nicotine soot, the man who has said he was looking into buying Rockefeller Center for $3.9 billion is updating acquaintance on his latest business ventures. He says he just launched a website, quote, for fucked up girls, called homegirls.com, that he expects will net him more than $100 million by year's end. He claims to have purchased the air rights over India and will make millions charging fees to planes that traverse this space. It's based on the weight of their cargo, he explains. He also purports to have recently purchased a seat on the Shanghai Stock Exchange. Then there is his fledgling career as a vocalist. He says that a Bahamian casino, he can't recall the name, has offered $250,000 a night to him to sing and another $250,000 if he can coax Venus into backing him up on drums. By now, the unlikely... I'm skipping around a bit. By now, the unlikely story of the Williams family has been repeated so often that it has the ring of an urban legend, which one might argue it essentially is. 
Richard Dove Williams was born on February 16, 1942, in Shreveport, Louisiana, to a single mother, Julia May, who was nicknamed Miss Knee. Richard liked to tell the story of how his mother was a sharecropper and picked cotton. Those who knew Richard as a child say the story is absurd. He was the son of a sharecropper, says Arthur Turd Bryant, one of Richard's childhood friends who lives in Shreveport. He ain't no fucking son of a sharecropper. Only thing I ever saw him raise was his fork to eat the vegetables someone else raised. Richard also says he was a star athlete in high school, the best football player on this side of the Heisman Trophy winner, Billy Cannon. A, bas a basketball talent so gifted he was offered a tryout with the Knicks and the greatest golfer in the state of Louisiana. However, Leonard Barnes, the football, basketball, and track coach from 1949 to 67 at Booker T. Washington, Shreveport's predominantly black high school, reports he never heard of Richard before his daughters became successful. If he says he's played football and basketball, he's lying, says another person from Shreveport. And then other parts of his biography they don't get talked about. William dropped out of high school at 16, he says, and moved to Chicago to work construction. From there, he landed in Los Angeles and eventually started his own company, Samson Security. In a little-known phase of his life, he married Betty J. Johnson on December 7, 1965. He was 23 and she was 31, and the couple had five children, two daughters and three sons. According to Richard and Betty's oldest daughter, Sabrina, now age 37, the marriage was stormy and volatile. It ended when Richard filed a notice of dissolution on March 22, 1973. A few years later, Richard met a college-educated Los Angeles nurse, Orisine Price, who had three daughters from a previous relationship. Venus was born to Orisine and Richard in 1980. Serena was born barely a year later. As he told a dumbstruck Matt Lauer on NBC's Today Show in 1999, I went to my wife and said, we have to make two more kids, and she didn't want to do it. So I used to take her out on dates, and I'd hide her birth control pills. That's how Venus came. With Serena, what I do with my wife is when I take her out and make sure that she had her birth control pills. I tell my buddy, you know we're from the ghetto, right? Just act like you're the worst crip and take her purse. And then I'd calm her down. And that's how Serena came. The story, even if it were believable, right, Strong Worth Time doesn't make much sense. Richard and Orsine already had three young daughters at the time. If Richard were so eager to raise a tennis star, what was wrong with Andrea, who was only a year old when Venus was conceived? But Richard has Don King's master of publicity. The more outrageous, the better. If someone punches holes in your story or demonstrates your tale, just give them another one. It talks about some things that Richard does get right in terms of his view of the business of the store, for example, then transitions back. Just as Richard starts to sound like he's within a lob of sanity and is playing the world for a fool, he says of the straight face that his father-in-law was once the CEO of General Motors. My father did work for GM in Michigan, admits Orisine Williams with an uneasy chuckle, but it was on an assembly line. You should know by now to take Richard with a grain of salt. And John writes, it's not as though Richard is only bizarre when he's in public and the cameras are on. Beyond his on-again, off-again relationship with the truth, he has an ugly habit of making virulently anti-Semitic remarks. He's claimed, for example, that he could have afforded to raise his family in a more upscale neighborhood, but chose to settle in Compton because he wanted to give the Jews, who he asserts were buying all the homes in the area, a little competition. He also claims he has an employee whose job it is to collect money from the Jews. He eagerly and unapologetically tells of giving his daughters ass whippings when they disobeyed him. He suggested that Lindsay Davenport be taken to the junkyard and that little Martina Hingis is a crybaby. Even the outgoing messages on his answering machine are newsworthy. One message several years ago said, There are those that ask what I think of intermarriage. Anyone that's marrying outside of their, this race that's black should be hung by their necks at sundown. Please leave a message. For most of 2000, callers to Richard's cell phone received this confounding reading. I will be going through some tough times in the next months. Some of my best friends and acquaintances will have the opportunity to judge me. I hope you will judge according to my acts and my deeds and my heart. Richard Williams. Apparently, his penchant for telling, telling tall tales is nothing new. Sabrina DeVille, Richard's oldest daughter from his first marriage, says that far back as she can remember, her father drew little distinction between fact and fiction. He was always telling us that he studied law at Yale, he went to UCLA, he played for the Lakers, recalls DeVille, now 37, who cleans houses in Southern California and is pursuing a second bachelor's degree. 
Imagine being a little girl telling your friends your father played for the Lakers and then having their fathers tell you that then it's not true. That broke my heart. Richard, I don't call him my dad, is a manipulator. He likes to think that he can make people believe what he wants them to. Sabrina says that when her father left her now-deceased mother, Betty, he also abandoned the family. When Richard moved on to start a new life with Orsine, Betty worked two jobs to support the family, and yet the household still required public assistance. In Richard's absence, two of his sons spent time in prison in California. According to California Department of Corrections records, Richard Jr. received a 32-month sentence for a firearms offense, and Ronner Williams received a 68-month sentence for second-degree robbery. Sabrina claims another sibling lived briefly in a homeless shelter. Sabrina says she's gotten over her anger for her father, but whether, wonders whether Venus and Serena would have been so successful had Richard not been an absentee dad for his first family. The bottom line is that he left us, Sabrina says. Venus and Serena know they walked right over our backs. All that, that money Richard should have been sending to us, my mother had to work for that. Indirectly, they are where they are because of my mother's sacrifices. Richard's conduct with his second family has not been exemplary either. Rick Macy recalls an incident when Richard angrily accused Venus and Serena, then perhaps 14 and 12, of running away from the ball. To correct the problem, Richard positioned each daughter three feet from the net on the opposite sides of the court and told Macy to feed them short balls. Richard demanded one, hister, one sister hit the ball at the other's head. Richard said, to the, Richard said to the girls, I want you to take her eye out, Macy recalls. They just whack balls at each other. According to Macy, after a few near misses, Venus pelted Serena in the chest. and Serena tried to stifle tears, Richard nodded approvingly. That's it, Macy re recollects Richard saying. Keep moving forward. I want your middle name to be forward. Richard has also been accused of spousal abuse. On February 7, 1999, Orison Williams went to Columbia Hospital in West Palm Beach for treatment of three broken ribs. According to sheriff's reports, asked how she sustained the injury, Orison first told hospital workers that she ran into a door handle. Pressed by a deputy from the sheriff's office, Orison said, I know you know what happened, but I am fearful for my daughter's careers. In a report filed with the Domestic Violence Unit, the deputy wrote that he suspected Orison was assaulted by her husband or another family member. A sheriff's deputy asserts that the office followed up, leaving domestic violence pamphlets at the front door of the family's house. Richard claims that he was in Chicago assisting underprivileged children at the time of the incident. He alleges he thought she had injured herself jet skiing and was too embarrassed to tell him. No charges were filed. Asked if she wished to comment on the alleged incident, Orison responded, It happened. I can't deny that. I would like to deny that, but I can't because it's the truth. The, report, the police report speaks for itself. It wasn't Richard Norrisine's first interaction with the, lo the local sheriff's office. Two years earlier, deputies received an emergency call that, according to reports, came from Orrisine, who said she was being threatened with a gun. When authorities arrived, she told them the conflict had been resolved. The police report states, I then talked to the suspect, Richard Williams, and he told me he was playing around with a pellet pistol and that Orrisine had thought he was going to shoot himself with it. Richard claimed he was merely acting out a screenplay, which he was trying to write, and his wife and daughters had been confused. As he told the reporters, it looked so good, they thought it was real. But then John says, despite conduct that ranges from bizarre to deeply troubling, Richard is rarely accused of anything more than being a, four, a few games short of a set. Why? With Richard, the proof is in the proverbial pudding, says Macy. Question his methods, question his behavior, and question his sanity. But the man has done twice what countless tennis parents before him have not been able to do. Nurture a prodigiously pal talented, well-adjusted champion without making sacrifices at the altar of junior tennis. In short, he has done right by Venus and Serena. Virtually did it all without making tennis the focal point of their lives. So that's basically, that's a long passage already, but I think that's a lot of context I wanted to get in there. And a lot of the fact patterns and stuff that is not certainly anywhere near this movie. There is a scene in the movie where, or in the kitchen scene in Florida before the first term, which is sort of yep. a dramatic scene that I think you were going to mention, where Orison sort of confronts him with having had a previous family. Yeah. And I was wondering when that might come up, if ever. And it does come up, it does get alluded to in that scene. But obviously nothing like the detail 
of there. And I guess it just sort of goes, I, what, what's your reaction, I guess, to hearing, I've sent you that passage before from Venus Envy, but what's your reaction to hearing all that in light of the movie discussion? Well, obviously, most of what you just read out is, is not in there, is not mentioned. No, I read stuff intentionally that's not in the movie. Yeah, exactly. But it is mentioned all the time, I guess, um, that, that Richard uh, tends to, to make stuff up. Um, I, th I think w what you read out from from Oracine, you should take whatever Richard says with a grain of salt is is kind of the way to go here. And I guess that part is kind of in the movie, but but not in a. In, I don't in, think it's in, in I don't a, think it's like in the, it enough because I do think that people there's something I've been reading about a bit, and it comes it got mentioned first caught my attention because it's mentioned in the investigation was done into the misconduct by the Chicago Blackhawks organization. There's a, a concept called hindsight bias. People look back at things and think think that things are more predictable than they really were. Um, people okay. th think things have in the past make sense. And in this movie, I think, does have that, where you know what happens to Venus and Serena. You know that they become both world number ones and amazing, greatest of all time type tennis players. And so it justifies kind of everything that's going on with Richard. But Richard was, in many ways, an outlandish and preposterous personality on tour. I mean, the things he was saying about, you know, buying the air rights over India and making money singing yeah. in casinos in the Bahamas and stuff, like... Yeah, but that that stuff's harmless. It, it's harmless. Though. That stuff is harmless. I'm yeah. saying, but it was still there. Yeah. It was still like you know, yeah. in the atmosphere, the sort of things you'd have to wade through in terms of things he would say, and it wasn't just those are not. There are many examples of things like that. It wasn't just those those quotes. Like, yeah, he would constantly say that kind of stuff and being kind of like, I guess for lack of a better word, the kind of clownish kind of things, you know, on the sides that were very much a part of how the Williamses were understood when they arrived, because that was the the script and the tone and personality that Richard was giving off. Anyway, so that part, I think it's underplayed in the movie. There are a few things, especially as it gets closer to the end, where Will Smith, well, Richard, starts playing, saying a few nuttier things the audience knows aren't true. Yeah. But not yeah. like, not like I think, at the volume and the level of that. And then obviously the things, you know, in terms of domestic violence accusations or moments and, and really neglecting his first family. And even in Richard's book, which I haven't talked about, Richard wrote his own book. That, I think, has a lot of parts in it that really gloss over stuff and tell more stories mm -hmm. that I think are just completely unverifiable in it but so but, but i think it goes I think, I think it goes to the question of like of, of what we were talking about in the isha clip too like this movie is set out to tell a specific story and not necessarily the whole mm -hmm. story yeah but to, to to bring it back to the movie you mentioned the kitchen scene um maybe in terms of like it's a long movie uh, and and the darker side of, of richard williams is in the movie very briefly in that kitchen scene that you mentioned but maybe it's not as elaborate in length but i think emotionally and kind of tension wise to me the way i saw it that that was the most emotional um the emotionally loaded scene uh in the movie that is a very key so scene it, that's a key scene yeah it's key and it and and it's incredibly well acted by especially um uh Oracine. um what's her name uh ingenue ellis um sh she did a great job there um so it, it is in there briefly, but it, very strongly, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I was, when that scene came on, I was a little bit relieved that they sort of yeah. panned away from this pure hero story, to use Isha's words. Right, yeah. Um, I'm not sure it was sufficient. I'm not sure that it all by itself creates balance to sort of allude to these things, but he did get called out on some of the stuff in his background and this idea. And this is seen, you know, a sort of infamous moment in one of the documentaries about Venus and Serena, uh, the one called Venus and Serena, which came out, I believe, in 2013 or 2014. That's focused on the 20, I think 2013. It focuses on the 2011 season. 
And there's a moment where Serena doesn't know how many kids Richard has. And it's this moment where it's sort of like someone, the, the producers ask her, like, how many children does he have? And she sort of looks embarrassed that she can't, she doesn't know. But she knows mm-hmm. there's a bunch. And there's one scene where someone shows up to one of her practices and and she doesn't realize that it's apparently her brother. Mm-hmm. And just those sort of yeah. moments that make that are less uh, flattering, I think, for the family, are not in this movie. Which again goes to the sort of framing and the involvement of the of the family and having input and control. And again, why I'm curious through this this form of screenplay. I don't know how much is in there or not. Uh, but I guess it brings me to a different sort of topic. There's been a ton of of movies, high profile movies. Uh, I think a growing trend that are based on true stories and kind of recent history a little bit too. Certainly in sports, we have this with like I Tanya high-profile sports movie that came oh, out yeah. recently. There's other ones as well. But I guess what does a, a movie owe its audience, do you think, David? I'll ask this to you both as a journalist and as a movie fan. You know, what does a movie owe its audience when it says based on a true story, right? Like, that seems like some kind of contract with the audience that it's making there. And I'm wondering, like, what well, you think the, that it's... The wording yeah. the wording is important there because you have either based on a true story or inspired by true events. Yeah. Um, I, I th- that's very important. Like if and and also the talk around it by the filmmakers. Like if if you keep uh, saying that it's it's all true, like and it's uh, it's it's all factual and that kind of thing. Yet then you owe to the audience that it really is. Yep. Um, but once you go with the softer based on a true story or inspired by true events, that to me uh, means automatically that some things might be a bit different, a bit yep. a bit nicer, a bit more more beautiful. Um, and especially as we discussed at the beginning, if if uh, the Williams family is involved in production, then I think that that gives the audience enough information. I mean, it, it should give the audience enough information. Maybe to us as journalists, uh, we're sharper there. Like we're we pay more attention to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think. But yeah. To answer your question. I do agree with you. It's something people should know going into the movie that the family is involved. Of course, I think yeah. you have to know that. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not, then, it's, not, like, it's not. It's not like disclosed right away. You know, you have to wait till the credits, basically, or to have seen Venus and Serena promoting this to know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, there's no other way to do it, I guess. You, you, you can't say upfront that that this this movie was uh, was was done in accordance with yeah. the, the the Williams family. It doesn't. Wishes. It doesn't. Say, it could say in the opening credits. It could say something like you know. Venus and Serena Williams present King Richard. You know, it could say something like more over oh, like that. that. It doesn't. It doesn't need. That'd be weird. But <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, for understanding yeah. the movie and for us getting into an hour long discussion of the movie, it's important to to kind of have that layer of, of understanding of it. Um, Richard's legacy, obviously, one of the things I do think this movie achieves, and I think it's interesting. I, I want well to the sort of true story part. I do think that movies increasingly are sort of the definitive version of how things happened you know this is probably not a new phenomenon totally like people think of watergate as being how all the president's men you know was like that sort of like how the, po- the popular culture understanding of watergate is based on that movie you know even more recently like another similar movie like spotlight you know that's how people understand mm-hmm. that scandal in boston um is through the lens of that movie and that's sort of the lasting version of that version of events you know, in biopics too, like, you know, I can Tina Turner and what's love got to do with it. Huge movie for, for that, their, their story or whatever else it may be. This is going to be the legacy piece for Richard Williams. And it's already fueling some renewed debates from people. And we'll maybe do a separate episode on this at some point. Cause I think it's an interesting topic about 
this uh, people who've been urging the Tennis Hall of Fame, International Tennis Hall of Fame in Newport, to enshrine Richard in the contributed category as a Hall of Famer. And, and also, a lot of people think Richard and Orsine maybe together, if not as like one unit, at least both of them in there. What do you think of that as a concept? Um, do you think Richard should be in the Hall of Fame? It's, I mean, b- before answering the question, I counted how many Hall of Famers were in the movie. Mm, uh, a lot. I don't know if you did the same. Um, seven, by my count. Six, actually, in Capriati, Sanchez Vicario, Bud Collins, uh, John McEnroe, Pete Sampras, Vic Braden. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's the mention of, of Andy Roddick yeah. just by someone else. He's not in the movie, so that makes sense. And you know Venus and Serena will definitely be in there. Obviously. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, Vic Braden is actually, uh, I, I checked, is, is the latest coach to be added mm. um, to the Hall of Fame. And and I guess if the coach who who didn't accept uh, Venus and Serena Williams is in the Hall of Fame, Vic Braden, yeah. then maybe there's, a, there's an even stronger Look, case to be made for By for, for numbers, you know, they're not typical tennis coaches in that they, they didn't no one ever hired them to be a tennis coach, you know, right. Richard and Orsine. But by numbers, the number of slams players under their tutelage have won is huge, you know. And it also speaks to, like, imagine, I'm imagining, I don't know if someday, like, Moritoglu could be enshrined, let's say. Entirely possible. Um, you can't have him in there without Richard Williams, though. I mean, because Richard Williams, you know, did so much more. Of course, um, yeah. And I think that, you know, I, 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 I'm in favor of it. I think there's not, I think a lot more people should be enshrined as contributors that are the main one i think of is mary curlo 1000 percent should be in there as a contributor already um i don't and richard we haven't mentioned this richard is still alive um he's, he's not doing well mm-hmm. health-wise but he's still alive and i think it'd be really nice for him to get that that honor before he passes away whenever that may be hopefully sometime in the distant future um but i i think it's overdue and you know especially yeah yeah agree. And i think it'd be agree. nice thing to have happen and before it's... venus and serena get their inductions which will come five years after their retirement yeah, and and I mean, look, this this goes back to what you said earlier, the stuff that you read out, all the 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 darker sides of the story. Uh, I guess I don't know how much that should weigh in in this discussion of Hall of Fame. I I personally am very um, uh, I'm I'm capable of of just distinguishing stuff like something um, yeah. someone achieved and some privates. Like it's the same with all all the actors and and and. You can still love something that someone did um, without loving the person. Um, so, yeah, just just do it. He deserves it. There, last thing, there are more tennis movies coming out these days. Obviously, this movie is probably going, I, I'm hoping, will be the biggest of them all. I think it deserves to be really a, a huge hit and to be something pretty ubiquitous in the culture and to be in Oscar race and to be on airplanes forever. It's a, it could be, it'd be a great airplane movie, this movie, but uh, mm. there's more movies that come out recently. Obviously battle of the sexes, uh, the movie about uh, Billie Jean King and the formation of the WTA tour and her battle against Bobby Riggs came out just a few years ago. Bork McEnroe, uh, another movie, uh, more of an indie movie, a Swedish movie um, featuring Shia LaBeouf as John McEnroe. And Leo Borg yeah. as young Bjorn Borg in the movie um, also came out recently. Uh, there's a bunch more, hopefully more installments of the NCR Movie Club coming forward. Hopefully people enjoy this. We'll do more of this, you and I, and maybe get some guests in here as well. Um, what do you think about tennis as on screen as a growing sort of category? It does seem like it's after the conversation for a long time was why aren't there tennis movies? And now we're getting tennis movies. Yeah, please more because it's such a pretty sport to photograph. Yeah. Let's face it. Even just from the uh, the visual point of view, uh, 
it's a visual medium after all um just shoot it beautifully it's 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 such a, a suitable sport for that and, and of course story-wise as well there's so many different stories uh, to, to tell i mean we, we know all of them and there's surely uh, maybe some more obscure even even crazier stories that are suitable for the big screen yeah. so like i applaud it obviously and um i'm i'm kind of surprised that there haven't been that many yeah i there are yeah. certainly more we can get into this in more future film discussions there's lots of stories the main one in my mind, and I don't know if this, I've heard rumors this is in production. I don't know if it is. The main one to me that I think should be a movie in this day and age is about Renee Richards. I think 1000% that should be a movie. And there's a lot more too out there as well uh, that we can all get to. McEnroe certainly can be a movie. Uh, Agassi, my gosh, can definitely be a movie. Lots, lots of sort of yeah. those sorts of biopic movies. And then obviously you can make fictionalized movies about tennis as well. Like there are some movies about that not based on true events that I think are also worth making and worth telling. Um, I think it's, it's, just make sure that the that the tennis looks. I was going to say, and, but it's not. That's not easy to get right. You know, to make to make cinematic fake tennis that looks that passes the David Avakian level test of scrutiny. That's not easy. And that it did. I think it's high <laughs> praise for this movie. To reemphasize that. But David, thank you very much for being on here. Any final thoughts on the movie? Oh, thank you. Before we let you go. No, just 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 go see it. It's uh, it's you're gonna like it. Like for all the stuff that we. Uh, said it's not in it. It's this. This was done this way. Like we came out and we both. I hope. It. I hope that was clear too. I mean, like I. Yeah. I wanted to really lead with the, our positivity towards it, but I still have fully as much as I do yeah. think there are journalistic, you know, framings of it that are problematic. Like I mentioned, and like I read the passage for. I did that to kind of create a full picture of, of Richard and leave things that are out. But my hearty, hearty endorsement of this movie still fully stands. I think it's great as a Williams sisters story. I think it tells her story in a really fair way. In a pretty accurate way. And also just a good movie. And so I think from both yeah. a tennis level and a movie level, it might be my favorite 2021 movie I've seen. I haven't seen that many 2021 movies, but it might be my favorite one so far. Very possibly. There are some good movies out this year and still a lot to come up. Trust me. Any um, any any other movies coming out that you're most excited for? I'm guessing Licorice Pizza. Oh, yeah. I'm I guessing. mean, the... the the tragedy of Macbeth is coming out. That's probably the one I look forward the most with Denzel, Denzel yeah. in, the, in the lead role with Francis uh, McDormand. Um, I mean, there's a new Paul Thomas Anderson movie coming, Licorice Pizza. Mm-hmm. I mean, what more do you want? There's a Spielberg movie coming, West Side Story. I mean, we don't know what that's going to be, but it's Spielberg after all. So there's so much coming, guys. Watch movies. Watch movies. We'll have lots more on Oscar season as it goes forward and on tennis movies. Uh, we'll start thinking about next what we're going to do next. We'll do hopefully a couple more of these during the off season, especially. It would be good, good time to get some NCR Movie Club installments in. Uh, thank you very much, David. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you very much to David Avakian for joining us on this NCR Movie Club installment. If you have more recommendations for tennis movies you'd like for us to discuss on future episodes of the NCR Movie Club, we'd love to have those recommendations. And also, we would love to have your support on our Patreon page, where people help back the show and keep it going, including many wonderful folks who thank every episode who back us at the Slam Champ level or above. Susanna W., Sean Mulroy, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Jean Simeon, James Hindle, Antonio Maycumber, Anna Valinder, Timothy Liu, and Ashley Keel, and our GOAT backers, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J.O.D. If you want to join them, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. And that's it. Hope you all enjoy King Richard. It comes out November 19th. Have a good one, folks. See you soon. Bye. kind of girl the kind you see in pictures 
I think you might have seen her Richard's on Rich 